you can never find those little pod people when you want them. Potato is just grossed out to death. Valenti is like, stop looking for fucking aliens, lady. Back off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Lorena Rose. And we're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today, we are back with season two, and we are discussing episode one, Skin and Bones. According to IMDb, this is the one where Max tries to protect Michael, Isabel, Tess, and himself by covering up the murder of Agent Pierce, only to have Nisado reveal that there is yet another enemy tracking down the Royal Four. I take issue with this. I don't think Pierce was murdered. It was self-defense by Michael, but whatever, IMDb. This episode was written by Jason K. Timms. You may remember him as the guy who developed this show. He also developed the show Parenthood, and he was a writer on that, as well as Friday Night Lights, Boston Public, Relativity, and My So-Called Life. This episode was directed by James A. Contner. It's the first of two Roswell episodes he directed. You may recognize his name if you're a fan of Joss Whedon's shows. He directed many episodes of Buffy and Angel, as well as an episode apiece of Firefly and Dollhouse. And he also directed a handful of Charmed episodes and a few Star Trek Enterprise, so he is all over the fandoms. And this episode originally aired on the 2nd of October, 2000. And y'all, this is not the one where we find out what happened to Milton. Hashtag MiltonWatch2000. We will never forget. We have not forgotten. Just like our good friend, Vicky Delaney. Must have been a man who wrote your part. I hope Kyle didn't break your heart. Vicky Delaney, we won't forget you. Oh, Vicky, we miss you. So we open on the desert, and there's the beeping that sounds a lot like the beeping that we've heard before from our old radio tower, but it's not. It's a metal detector! So kids, this is what a geologist does. If you ever are wondering, and in school they try to tell you it's all science, and like you gotta know about rocks and dirt and stuff. No, 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 no. You just walk around with a metal detector, it's fine. Yeah! It's easy peasy. Don't bother going to school for it. Nah. But we see a mysterious man with a metal detector. And oh my gosh, his metal detector just found some bones. I also would like to take the time to point out that this man is not a member of a 90s boy band. No, he's not. And that is disappointing because where is Howie Duro? His career was short-lived. Okay, so we have this like ridiculous cut where you hear as the guy is digging in the ground i feel as if you've buried something but it's a metaphor you guys for max's feelings you guys oh my gosh so clever but here we thought that they would just completely brush off everything that max has been through but obviously his parents have sensed a change in him over the summer because they have put him in therapy with what seems like a mediocre not so great therapist in my opinion well or just a therapist who assumes that the person he's dealing with is a human but at some point he he says to him he's like all exasperated don't you have anything to say anything at all it's like okay chill but this is after max imagines telling him everything that happened last season how convenient yes so convenient we get a quick little cut to see that oh, the geologist has dug up a bone and then we get opening credits with new scenes in them and Ugh. emily de robin yes this is always my favorite part of a tv show when i was younger was the new season and you get to see the new clips in the opening credits and oh my gosh like oh look at those great scenes from last season but like what's this new stuff when's that gonna happen yeah yeah i liked that they used stuff from the last season and this season because i hate when like a theme montage gives things away um but the only thing they gave away was like different hair that people look different and they had the um the shot of liz and max jumping off the bridge from destiny yes which i loved 
Um, so I have a question. So y'all remember like uh, three months ago when the special unit was so top secret that even the president didn't know about it? Remember that? So now it's on TV. Mm-hmm. It's on C-SPAN. It's a nationally broadcast congressional hearing to defund mm-hmm. the top secret government agency that nobody knew about. And so, again, it's been three months, during which time uh, Maria has gotten extensions. Yes. And all of the female characters have um, learned to accentuate their body parts. From from what we've seen so far, they seem to have forgotten that specifically Isabel is a teenager. They like forgot that she's in high school. She looks great. I mean, I'm here for Katie Heigl looking so great, but Isabel's in high school. I am here for the super high pony. I'm just saying I have rediscovered super high ponies uh, in this hot, hot summer, and I am a fan. There's also a cute new blonde girl we haven't seen before. Who dis? Dis Courtney? Who are you? Where'd you come from? I guess the Crashdown has more employees than Liz, Michael, and Maria now. Also, Maria was a total bitch to that girl, Courtney. Courtney comes in like, you guys are so into watching C-SPAN. And Maria's just like, goodbye, Courtney. Bye. It's fucking rude. Maybe it's because Maria has already figured out that this girl has a crush on Michael. And she's like, no, 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 no. Stay away. Back off my man. Which is like so clear later on in the episode. Yes. Right. It does seem like Maria and Max have bonded, which I would like to see because I don't know what that would even look like. The two of them hanging out together. Mm. She calls him girlfriend. She's like, I know. I know. I know we bonded over the summer, girlfriend, but you got to blah, blah, blah. It's cute. Yes, I did like that little exchange with them. And Max is just being a lovesick little puppy. But it sounds like Maria is basically being a lovesick puppy about Michael, too. And Maria finds out who her congressperson is. Because she's on the TV being like, so aliens are real. And there's this element called cadmium X and exposition, exposition, exposition. Mm -hmm. Pierce is there, too. And he says, uh, cadmium X, it's a hoax. We made it up. It's not a thing. It's not real. So Alex and Isabel are sitting. Alex is looking through saying, oh, we could go see this movie. We could go see that movie. And Isabel's very clear about, you know, I can't be with a guy right now. I can't be thinking about men until this really hot geologist walks up. And you can see like the hearts around her eyes. Yeah. And she, you know, looks right up at him. And he basically, it seems as though he was going to pull out the bone in the middle of the crash down. But then there's like a quick transition where he's pulling out the bone in the sheriff's office. Right. So I would, I would like to point out before that. Um, so he's clearly in his late twenties, right? Like very, very clearly there's no way he is younger than 27, like at the youngest, right? Because he's gone to college to be a geologist. So he's like a real grown up. And probably grad school. But she's still like 16 or 17, and Mm -hmm. she is very, very much not. Yeah, that's what I mean about like they forget. They just seem to forget that she's in high school. Yep. I know, Lisa, that you don't like seeing like teenagers being sexual on on TV at all. But like, I, I don't mind it when it's teenagers with other teenagers. Yeah. And like, I think it's one thing if you're doing it to show like, this is normal, this is healthy, this is a thing that young people do, it's fine, like, don't be ashamed of it. But like, you can do that in a way that's not like, but also look how hot this chick is. Look at those boobies. That's what I don't care for. Some shows and movies, I think, do it well. Like the way you're saying where it's like the director and the way that they're portraying it isn't for you to see these characters as sexy, but for you to see them as like, you know, exploring their sexuality and growing up and whatever. Yeah. So Ashley and I, um, our producer Ashley, the other day we're having a little chat about the television show Degrassi, The Next Generation. And this just reminded me that there's an episode where one of the characters, Manny, so she's like exploring her sexuality and her body is developing and she comes to school with this like ridiculous whale tail thong. And it's I like, remember this episode. Right? Like, yeah, okay, if you're... 13, 14, maybe you're like, wow, that looks hot. But I feel like they do in a way that's acknowledging like, yeah, it's totally like empowering for her to explore this and for her to dress the way she wants to dress. And that's cool. But without being like, hey, everyone check out this girl's butt. She's anyway, every show should be more like Degrassi, I guess is my point. (laughs) So when this geologist guy, whose name is Grant Sorensen, when he shows the bone to the sheriff and they ask him, you know, where did you find it? When he says like around where it was, the sheriff has such an obvious face of like, yeah. uh-oh. 
Such a great poker face. The guy pulls out what is very clearly a human bone, and the sheriff is like, could be a coyote. You're like, sheriff, sweetie, have you ever seen a coyote? (laughs) That bone is like as big as its entire spine. Yeah, it's like a monster. It's a it, maybe it's from all the radiation. There's like mutant coyotes out there that are thirty yeah. feet tall, just like roaming the desert. Could be. Um, I have a theory that after Hansen saw Pierce, Pierce like taking the initiative and like color coding the sheriff's files and like washing his car, he was like, you know what? I'm gonna be more proactive at my job. And so this yeah. whole episode. Hansen is just trying to measure up to that one deputy that they had a couple months ago who, like, came for an amazing day, did all the work, and then somehow immediately got promoted into this special unit of the FBI that he just saw on TV. Oh, my gosh. It also seems like Hansen is trying to impress Valenti. Yes. You know, he's, like, showing him, he's like, sir, I did this and this, and then I also brought it to this, and, like, I already sent it to the lab. He is so eager. He is going to do a good job and he is going to rise in the ranks and he is making a career out of this and working hard. Just at the very wrong time. So we go to Michael's place and it looks like Michael and Tess have been hanging out, wetting their hair, wearing halter tops. Yeah, what is with Tess's hair? She has these weird twists. Are they supposed to look like fake dreadlocks or something? It's awful. But they are so, they look like greasy slash wet. Yeah, they're horrible. went swimming with greasy hair and then is now letting it air dry. And Max and Michael are kind of butting heads here. Yes, there is some dissension in the ranks. Yeah, especially now that there's the, you know, supposed to be this dynamic of Max being the king, everyone being lesser. Um, And it seems like Michael uh, has started being paranoid. And that's why he's training. um, He's he's expecting to be attacked again and, and to have more fights. I mean, Niseto told them at the end of the last season that they shouldn't use the communicator thingies because it would let other people know where they are. And while Max doesn't seem to be worried or taking that seriously, Michael definitely is. Michael is like, the Backstreet Boys are going to find us any day now. (laughs) Um, There's also another fun reference in this scene for all of our late 90s teens where Max is like, oh yeah, Nisado will probably come back soon, and Tess says it's not, like, he's Ward Cleaver. Oh yeah. Cut back to the desert, where Deputy Hansen is just full force being a great deputy, and he's running the investigation, and he found a pocket knife. What does it mean? He's gonna check for prints. He already called the lab. Yeah. And you know what's not suspicious at all is when a teenage boy just, like, shows up at the crime scene to be like, look, I have nothing to do with this, but, like, it's a desert. There aren't that many places to hide, so it's very likely someone will see me. (laughs) Ha ha. Oh, well, what else? Oh, look, is this a hand? Yeah, what the fuck? Also, does Michael have a car now? Because how the hell did he get there? I mean, maybe he borrowed the Jetta. But also, like, why? So I initially thought this was like a latex glove that was like desiccated from being out in the desert for a long time. But based on what happens later, I'm assuming it's skin that was shed by one of these aliens who's like a snake person. I mean, the title of this episode is skin and bones and he senses that someone's watching him he can tell so that's when he starts chasing them falls down finds some skin and then it disintegrates uh very much like a vampire in buffy so i think maybe Mm. they're using the same cgi techniques uh probably um, I also, I appreciate Hansen's excitement here, but I feel like he's maybe a little too enthusiastic at the prospect that someone got murdered. Small town. Yeah. How exciting! So then we go to um, Max walking down the street with Isabel's breasts, and <laughs> she is like, what if this geologist guy isn't who he says he is? And he's like, don't worry, I looked him up and it's fine. He, like, is legit. And Isabel's like, we just did a whole thing where we built a fake identity for someone. This is a thing people do. Come on, Max. Yeah. But Max is like, look, I can't focus on this. There's a pretty girl standing over there and she really doesn't want to talk to me. So I am going to go force her into an awkward conversation. Bye. And Isabel is like, cool. Well, I'm going to go talk to that hot geologist. So bye. 
But right before this, also, they're talking about Nacedo. And it turns out Max is the only one who's allowed to talk to him. Because Max is like, I could talk to Nacedo. Is Isabel's like, or I could. And Max doesn't even really respond. He's like, we'll talk about it later as he runs off to go find Liz. Really reinforcing this new dynamic of Max being the king. So when Max talks to Liz, you know, he's talking about how he missed her or whatever and updating her. And Liz says, I hope that's true for all of you. Taking herself out of it. So it's very clear mm-hmm. that like she's trying to distance herself. Um, yeah. And she says, I just want to get a fresh start. Yeah. She's like, this is not my life anymore. Like, good luck to all of you. I feel it's really important to point out here that Liz's blowout looks great. And when it is windy, Liz's hair moves in the wind. And Max's hair does not budge even (laughs) a little bit. Maybe he just like walked up to Tess and like ran his hands through her hair and then just like gelled his own hair up with what came off of it. Must have been probably just from standing in the same room as her. So uh, Sheriff's Deputy Hansen continues to be proactive. He's like, look, I found the prince of Michael, who we know has been fingerprinted because he got arrested for trying to break it or for breaking into the UFO museum back when Milton was in this show and everything was right with the world. But anyway. Milton, oh Milton, I want you a dog. You showed up to work when flacking is a default. We miss you, we love you, we need you right here. Milton, oh Milton, why did you disappear? Come back to us, Milton. Uh, Hanson's like, here, I brought this kid in. He's got an attitude problem. And Sheriff is like, Michael, remember that time in the desert? Or should I tell you about that time in the desert? That I caught you drinking with your friends. Remember this police report I made then, months ago? (laughs) Yeah, the sheriff is falsifying police reports now, which, uh, that's an escalation for him. Well, I mean, he owes the aliens, uh, everything. Max saved Kyle, who is not in this episode. So I'm curious what's in that police report, though, because he says Michael was out with a few friends and they were joyriding and drinking and taking pot shots, meaning, like, they had a gun with them? Maybe, like, a BB gun or something? Maybe. But, like, I would presume he would have to write down the names of the other people who were with Michael in the police report. So, like, what did he write? Who cares? Doesn't matter. Unanswered question. (laughs) Okay. But I do, I like Sheriff's ending line here where he's like, the next time you're going off to break the law somewhere, don't leave a calling card. And Michael is like, yeah, got it. Be better at crime. Noted. (laughs) And then Michael taking this advice to heart, goes directly across the street from the sheriff's station to make a phone call to be like, uh, we got trouble here in River City. And Nisato is like, you're not Max. Shut up. I hate you. Yeah, I mean, Nisato's pissed. Don't ever contact me again unless Max knows and hangs up. And then Isabel has done the same thing Michael did, where she's just walking in the desert like you do. Presumably she brought the car, parked it somewhere, and then, like, just walked around in circles until she found where the geologist guy was going to be. Yeah. And he doesn't really question, like... Why this hot girl is in the desert? This hot 16-year-old, 17, 18, I don't care, because it has teen at the end of it. Yeah. She's in high school. But she's also in black leather. Yeah, and she's super flirty. I mean, they obviously both had hard eyes for each other in the crash down earlier because he's like, yep. hey, girl, let me tell you about my job. Uh, he's like, hey, you want to see this giant bone? <laughs> <laughs> She's there to use her sexuality, purposely oh, to use her sexuality to, to get information. She's like, one, I actually think his, he's cute. So this is fun. And mm-hmm. two... I know that I'm a sexy lady. Um, so I like how I like her little acting choice or directing choice. I don't know where she's like, oh, let me look at all your little samples. And he's like, I'm testing the area for radioactivity. And she just kind of like <laughs> back and steps away. <laughs> like, no, thank you. But our geologist hero is just here to clear the way for a big chemical plant to open. I mean, real estate's cheap out there. Um, and we get another callback to the cheese factory. Yes, I love yeah. that. 
Then we head back to the sheriff's office where Whitaker now thinks that Pierce is lying to her. And Valenti is like, stop looking for fucking aliens, lady. Back off. So this is really stupid on Valenti's part. Because she comes in and she's like, Pierce thought you were the key to everything. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And like, he knows at this point... I think from his experience with the FBI, when you tell people back off or else bad things could happen, it only makes someone look into it more. I feel like if he had just been like, haha, that's so silly. Like, sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm best friends with aliens. Yeah. Like she, maybe it would have helped a little more than him being like, listen to me, little missy. (laughs) And then fucking Hanson. What the hell, man? This is, this is not just eager. It is like just not listening. Yeah. Literally Valenti is like, I'll be with you in a minute, dude. Yeah. I'll be with you. And he's like, but, but, but dad, look, I did a great thing. Yeah. yeah he says it multiple times. Like, I'll, I'll be with you in a minute. I'll be, you know, really very clearly being like, don't say whatever you're going to say in front of this woman. And like, Hanson should probably know you don't just discuss open police investigations with whomever happens to be sitting in the office having yeah, a chat. You can't. So she then goes with them to the coroner's office. She just like tags along because that's fine. Um, and we find out that the bones have been fused together. They've been melted and bones don't melt. How weird. If the radiation is a result of the aliens using their power, does this mean all of our aliens are radioactive? I'm concerned. If the aliens have this inside of them, are they like just always radioactive? And can they transmit that radiation to other people? people is this how max cures people can he just like go up to someone with cancer and give them a hug and it just like irradiates all the cancer and then ta-da! and their body too that's an interesting concept that because radiation does cure cancer so yeah. so the sheriff is like hey like this is outside of your jurisdiction does the congresswoman have any jurisdiction this is a criminal investigation she is not law enforcement totally no. not She's a congressperson. Like, she's starting an FBI investigation single-handedly. What? She could maybe ask the FBI to look into something, but, like, she can't, as a congressperson, command the FBI to do stuff. What connections does she have in the FBI that are going to believe her? They just, like, defunded the special unit and didn't want to listen to anything that she had to say because Pierce wrote it all off. But Hansen, again, not being helpful, is like, let's bring that kid back in. And Whitaker is like, what kid? And somehow she also has the ability to get an arrest warrant for Michael? I mean, Deputy Hansen, as a deputy, can he obtain an arrest warrant or does he have to go through the sheriff? I would think he would be able to. But as a result, Michael ends up getting arrested now because now there must be a warrant out for his arrest and Valenti and all the police in Roswell show up to arrest him. And the congresswoman who's just tagging along. Sure. Yeah. Like you do. She also, I forgot, in the medical examiner's office when they were over there, she said, I have no intention of leaving this situation in the hands of a county sheriff. Ooh, burn. So you're going to take it into your hands? You're not allowed to do that. And it was just fucking rude. Anyway, so we go to the crash down where we have um, the first music change that I noticed. So someone on the Ros- on one of the Roswell fan Facebook groups put up a link to the episodes with their original music that they had when they aired way back on the WB. Um, and so I have started watching those for my first watch and then watching the DVD streaming versions on my second watch. Um, and this is the one place where I like very much noticed because the song that plays here in the original um, is Kryptonite by Three Doors Down when Nisado is walking into the crashdown and they have replaced it with Drive Away by Big Stone City and it just doesn't have the same impact. No. But I do love what Pierce says as he walks in. He says, you can never find those little pod people when you want them. Yes. Yes, I love that too. (laughs) That is cute. (laughs) He has gotten suddenly very stupid though because he walks in as Pierce Someone recognizes him and is like, ooh, I want your autograph, follows him, and then Pierce goes into the bathroom, comes out 10 seconds later with a different face, sees the same guy, and is like, whatever, I don't care. I mean, he's never been particularly concerned with human people. Yeah. But, like, is he going to murder this guy? He seems to be kind of, like, letting things go a little bit. Like, becoming more lax. He's got, like, a kind of a weird sense of humor now. 
He's he's a creeper. Is <laughs> yeah. He is. Yep. He, oh, he's a he's a total creeper, which he has always been. But like you know the way he's talking about Whitaker, and they're like, oh, you know her. He's like, I know her intimately. I've been diddling her all summer. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a terrible line. He does get one good line before that when he walks in and says, Sheriff Valenti, welcome to the ever burgeoning I know an alien club. I love oh, yeah. that line. Adorable. <laughs> But like the the young woman who he's been raising for the past 16 years, presumably as his child, he does not even acknowledge her. Like he walks back here after not having (sighs) seen her all summer, doesn't say hello, is just like, uh, yeah, so I've been getting some from a Congress lady. What's up? I agree. The fact that he doesn't even acknowledge Tess, let alone give her a hug. I mean, like that's something that he should have done and you know it does make me think about Tess and like the the trauma she's been through Mm-hmm. Of uh, not having the person who takes care of her love her. Yeah. Yeah. That's not new, though, either. Like, we've already established, right. like, even in this episode, her commenting that he's no Ward Cleaver. He's no Ward Cleaver. Yeah. And at the end of season one, you know, we already knew that he was <laughs> not very loving towards her. <laughs> Anyway, I think you can tell the, like, emotional toll that this has taken on Tess. You can tell that, like, her mental state isn't all there just by looking at those pants that she's wearing. (laughs) Uh (laughs) They have gigantic peacock feathers printed on them. She's paired them with her second halter top of this episode. How very 2000 of her. I know. Yeah, Tess loves those halter tops. Yeah, and then and then Nisato follows up telling them all that he's been boinking this person by being like, I-, I must admit, I've grown awfully fond of the foul temptress. It's a shame I may now have to kill her. I'm like, oh, f- just shut up. And then King Max is like, no murder. No murder allowed. Well, first Liz comes downstairs and is like, yeah, murder is bad did you not figure that out yet like we just watch the last episodes man come on i love the attitude that she has here there's like kind of a sense of authority about her just being like isn't murder what got you into this situation to begin with she has like this attitude that is kind of new with liz that we haven't really seen yet so i kind of like seeing her be feisty Yeah, it's almost like spending some time apart from Max has allowed her to grow and develop as a person in a way that he wasn't allowing her to do because Hmm. he's so controlling Hmm. all the time. But Max also is like, no one's going to die, and then steps in his king role, we're not killing anyone. That's an order. Ooh. And everyone looks like super serious. Ooh, so serious. And Naseda is just like, as you wish. As you wish. Nisato says his job is to protect the royal four. Is this what we're calling them now? Because that's awful. Yes. No, I still like Czechoslovakians. Yes. <laughs> the king of Czechoslovakia is here. I think when when Max is like, no, we're not going to kill people. I feel like you get a little shot of Liz and she's like, maybe a little turn mm, on. Yeah. She's into yeah. it. She's, I mean, she's definitely still into him, but she's trying oh, to sure. grow up and do her own thing and move on. Love that dramatic and strong doesn't just go away. Um, but so I do, I, Nisato tells them if the feds find cadmium X on the bones, then they're going to torture Michael the same way they tortured Max. And like Max has a reaction, but he's like, okay, well, we're not going to compromise our principles. We're just going to like figure out a different way to address this. Which is a good leadership mm-hmm. move, yeah. Max. Mm-hmm. I try to give him credit when he does the right thing. Mm-hmm. This is good. And Whitaker has absconded with the bones because that is a thing she can do. Yes, she can. She just like takes evidence of an open case, like hides it somewhere in her office. She's a congressperson. They have absolute power over everyone and everything, right? She's going to get people to do sciencey things with those bones. So then we're in her office where Pierce slash Nacedo shows up and is like super creepy. Not yeah. creepy, but like pervy. Well, and then Whitaker was pretty much equally pervy because she's like, isn't she the one that's like, I think Parker can handle it. Yeah, she's like, Liz is a big girl. Right, Parker? Ugh. Yeah weird no right like totally giving her the option of saying no i'm actually uncomfortable it's like they're they she didn't give her that option yeah and i feel liz's face is like woman you're in the workplace like calm yourself i'm gonna i'll be over there golly yeah so when they leave liz is like have a good night and creepy nasato is like oh we will yeah this is really gross she's a teenager stop it Ugh. 
disgusting. And then Liz goes, I'm not making any jokes about letting Max out of the closet. I'll leave that for when Kyle is back in the show. But how long has he <laughs> been in there? Like, has he just, the whole time she's been at work, he's just been hiding in this filing closet or whatever Maybe. it is? Right. Like, when did, when did her shift start? When, yeah, I, I mean, when did she sneak him in? I mean, I guess she could have snuck him in, like, if Whitaker went to the bathroom at some point or something. I feel like it's possible that Nacedo and Max came together and, like, Max snuck in while Nacedo was distracting her or something. They just didn't show it. I don't know. Another thing that I think we're going to have to make excuses for is this jail not having cameras. Yep. As we noted in the heat wave where um, Liz and Alex were just, like, talking about stuff they should have been talking about the sheriff comes in and is like listen michael like i just want to talk to you about how you're an alien and michael is like look i appreciate how much trouble that could get me into but i think it's really important for me to also confess to murder yep. just in case anyone is watching he literally says the words i killed a man yeah buddy and i thought uh valenti was was really sweet here valenti was comforting him kind of reminding him that like you didn't have a choice if you didn't do that he was gonna kill kyle like he was gonna kill us and i like i like that i like that he's comforting him mm -hmm. uh, michael doesn't really have an adult male figure in his life to be kind to him like that so i think it's really important that valenti kind of take on that role yeah, it's really nice. Michael's like talking to Valenti in a way that he probably doesn't talk to even any of his mm -hmm. friends yeah. where he's like, yeah, I've been like pissed off at Max for not leading. But really, Max doesn't know any more than the rest of us. Like we're all in the dark waiting to be attacked. All he can think about is what if I'm not strong enough? Yeah. I feel like Michael doesn't admit his vulnerability to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I think it says something that he trusts Valenti enough to open up like that with him. Yeah, yeah I, th same. I thought this was really a special moment for their relationship. So then we are back in Whitaker's office where Liz is a super science nerd because she knows about all of this crazy equipment at University of Las Cruces where they can do fancy sciencey things. And that must be where Whitaker took the bones because let's do science things. Oh, Liz says, I'm not a dork. I just enjoy science. And let me say, those things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. You can be a dork and love science. You can be a dork and not whatever being a dork is great and fine yes yeah it's not something that she should feel like she has to apologize for yeah. and i also i like well i so i don't like that she feels like she has to say that but i do like that before that max is like look i know things can't go back to the way they were but like if they could could we go back to the way things were and liz is like no, no. and i appreciate that good for yeah her. she's got a backbone yeah, like, he cheated on her. It wasn't just like, oh, la-di-da, things didn't work yeah. out. Like, he betrayed her, and he can't just be like, oh, well, but mm, don't worry about it. It's not yeah. how things I work. I mean, maybe for some people, but not for Liz. Not for me. Yeah. I really like this, like, backbone and feistiness in Liz all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Again, like, her separation has given her some clarity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe her aunt, like, took a page out of Grandma's book and was just a strong lady who knew what was up and helped Liz find her inner goddess. And maybe, like, some adult guidance because her parents are never around, you know? <laughs> yeah. So then on the sidewalk, Nacedo suddenly just, like, pulls Max into an alleyway. It's like, okay. And Max is trying to, like, denounce his role. He says, I'm not a king. And Nacedo says to him, I'd be careful not to confuse what you want to be true with what is really true. Basically mm -hmm. saying, whether you want to be a king or not, you are. This is this is the situation. And when Nacedo goes to get in his car, it seems like he's being followed. And he picks up on that too. And he just says like, oh no. And then he finds some more skin stuff. And that's yeah. all we see of that. And now uh, we move on to a scene that I am just positive that Lisa just loves, where <laughs> uh, Isabel, a teenager, uses her sexuality to seduce an adult security guard away from his post. Blech. First, though, if we just think back, the, the setup for the scene is that at the congressperson's office, Max wasn't even aware that this best science lab existed, right? But between the time he leaves the office and the time he gets to Nacedo, he has found out exactly when and where the bones are being mm -hmm. transported. And that's why they're able to be there at the exact time, which just so happens to be the very next day in an area with no security except for this one guy who wants to bang yeah. it. Although girl. she's posing as a college student, so in theory, she's sort of an adult, or at least 18 in his eyes. 
college students, like undergrad, I feel like at the oldest are 22, which yeah. for a, a grown up, yeah. in my opinion, is just very yeah. young. Still young, but probably not technically a minor. It is a good thing that he's so creepy because then, you know, they're able to get inside. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, Max and Tess work out their plan via flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> Love a good flip phone. And this is where we get our first hint that maybe something is amiss because Nisato was supposed to be there, but he hasn't showed up yet. Uh Uh Uh-oh. But Max can go in and deal with it as long as Tess can use her mind warp. Yeah, this is the first time we hear her say that what she does is called a mind warp. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, of course, in my head, I immediately was like, let's do the mind warp again. <laughs> so I assume that that's what she is just like singing to herself in her head whenever she yeah, uses to help her gain powers. her focus. Also, mm-hmm. we and I think we maybe had learned this before, but her mind warp has has limits. Mm-hmm. You know, she can't yeah. do it for that long if it's that many people. So good to yeah, know. Yeah, because at the end of last season, we learned she could mind warp two different people in two different places at the same time. But yeah, eight people is a lot right. of people. Takes a lot. So the machine has already started when Max goes into yeah. it. And I am very confused about this machine. Like, why is it? Why can a person go into it and walk around? I just like, I feel what? like I read a book, like, I don't know, the Da Vinci Code or something one time that had like a giant particle accelerator in it. Maybe I'm mixing up the Da Vinci Code with something else. But I feel like it is like a big giant fucking thing that the particles like spin around in really fast. And it is like huge. Also, the book I read was fiction, so none of it might be true. But perhaps the TV show got their ideas from whatever this book was that I read once. I thought this scene was really funny, <laughs> and I was appreciating how funny it was until I realized that was almost certainly not the intention. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just sticks his hand at the particles, and he's like, doop a doop a doop a doop a doop and then he somehow changed the structure such that they're carbon dating that they're doing via particle acceleration, because that's how carbon dating works. They should have just had smart... Liz, our science science dork Liz, write this for us because then maybe it would have been more accurate. Yep, the guys like these bones were were fused together on June nineteenth, nineteen fifty eight, <laughs> at two forty eight p.m. after the subject had eaten a ham sandwich. I could tell that from the whooshies. They did a whoosh. <laughs> So I looked up particle accelerators, and from what I can tell, they're mostly, like, tubes, and it doesn't look like humans can, like, just go inside and walk around. But maybe. I mean, some of them are pretty big. So they they say, okay, well, there were, like, a bunch of radiation tests done here 42 years ago on the precise date that we have carbon dated these bones to with our purple wish. And Whitaker doesn't buy it, but at this point, there's not really anything more that they can do to try to prove this. Uh, And so Michael is off the hook. Yay! Also, I would like to note that the science man was wearing a bow tie because nerdy science men wear bow ties. I also noticed that. Did we all notice that there was one non-white person yes, in that Yes, we scene? had a nerdy Asian scientist. Look, diversity. We made the Latinx and Native American people white, but we're adding diversity in other ways. We even gave him a line. Yeah. Look at how generous Look we are. Look at us. Anyway, so we go back to the crash down where Max is like, yeah, I just, I knew they were going to carbon date the bones, and I knew that carbon dating works like, super specifically so i just picked a date and i carbon dated the bones to that remember when they were all like we don't really use our powers that often and we don't really know how they work and like la di da we're just such newbies remember they've been all they've all been tutoring with tess over the summer learning how to hone their powers do you think max has i think just michael has i don't think max or isabel are hanging out with tess breaking rocks with their brains yeah i feel like also that it's just michael because he's the one that seems to be like par- not paranoid necessarily like paranoid kind of but like he is expecting a war he's expecting to be attacked so he's the one mm-hmm. training i would feel like and uh courtney's back so i'm sure that has nothing to do with anything as she says hi michael Ooh, hey michael And once again, we're all just talking about alien stuff without checking in the back to see if any of the waitstaff are still around. For which Maria apologizes, but it's like, how many times has this happened? Right. Did they get a pizza delivered to a restaurant? Yes, they did. 
Because I just think that's adorable. I mean, because Michael doesn't want to have to cook for all of them. Like, it's his night to party before school starts, too. He seems to be the only cook anymore. So if he's not working, then... Yeah, no, I have no issue with it. I just thought it was cute. Yeah, because it's just, like, their place to hang out. You know, like, this is a place where they have, like, a bunch of chairs and they can all sit and hang out and talk. So it makes sense that they're just using it as a hangout spot, not a restaurant. So they ordered Mm -hmm. pizza. Um, you know what I do have a problem what? with, though, is Maria walking up to Michael and saying, so, I hear ex-cons are really great in bed. And they're not even together. Yeah, I mean, she wants to be together with him. But this doesn't seem like something Maria yeah. would say. like, obviously we should get back together. And I mean, have they even ever even had sex before? I don't know. Probably not, because this is a teen yeah. show, and they would have told us all about how terrible it was and how they were both punished horribly if they had had sex. I feel like they haven't. Exactly. So, the, yeah, that's awfully bold of Maria. He pretty much says no, and it's because of this whole, like, soldier identity he's taking on. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, so he has chosen to reject the part of the Destiny speech that was about him and Isabel getting together, but wholeheartedly and unquestioningly accept the part where he's a soldier. Mm-hmm. And I get that he has all this baggage from killing Pierce, but it seems weird that he's just, like, so fully in this mentality mm-hmm. now. And, like, I also think it's a valid choice for him to just say, I don't want to be with you, Maria. Like, I'm not in that emotional space right yeah. now, and you should respect that. But instead, what he says to her is soldiers can't just have some chick at home waiting for them which maria rightly points out is a very very stupid thing yes, to say. that every movie ever about soldiers there is uh, a chick at home waiting for them and like also in in real life they do let the soldiers get married and sometimes their spouses even like deploy with them if they're not you know in combat also like he's not being deployed to a different country he's just hanging out there and doesn't even know who or when he's fighting well right and like i could see it if he was like look i care about you and i know that these bad people are going to be coming for me and i want to protect you and the only way i can do that is by keeping my distance from you great but just like where she's like i miss you michael and he's like i know that's how that's how emotions work i know you do but just don't and then Liz is walking up because she wasn't For the here. party that's at the restaurant that she lives above. Right. They leave the chairs and tables outside instead of bringing them in. It's weird. Yeah, in the past we've seen them chained up, but here it looks like they're just chilling. But so Liz, I think I texted y'all that I was like 15 minutes into my first watch and Liz hadn't showed up yet. And then she was just sort of like, she's, I think they're they're sort of emphasizing that she's like apart from the group. Mm-hmm. But it struck me as odd that she wouldn't be here for this big, like, alien debrief and, like, back to summer bash that they're having. Yeah, maybe she was, like, finishing up filing stuff in Whitaker's office for free. Right? Like, why is she there so late when Whitaker's not even there? And then again, Max is like, but can't we just go back to the way things are? And Liz is like, we just had this conversation. And she says, I can't pretend, Max. Yeah. Good for you. But then he touches her arm. And she has a vision. What's not clear to me is if he is giving, if the connection is actually causing that vision or if she's just like remembering things. I don't know. I think the, the it doesn't matter because all the dreamers out there are just like, there's hope for us yet. Yeah. And at first I thought he did it on purpose and I was like very pissed about mm-hmm. it. It's like she says no and then you do this to her. But um, it seemed like it wasn't on purpose. It seemed like he didn't like realize even that it, it had happened. Yeah. Yep. And then Max hears a knocking on the window and is like, must be Michael come by for a little late night. <laughs> but no, it's not. It's Nisado. He's all bloody. And they're among you now. The skins. The skins. Oh. And then Nisado dies? So now we're going back to do the healing stone thing because we know that Nisado canonically, according to the show, can't die, mm-hmm. right? We're not just going to abandon that, right? We wouldn't do that, we'll right? Wait see. You're going to have to watch the next episode, Lisa. Yeah. Is there a special exception where evil aliens can kill him by just like shedding on him and he's so disgusted that he's just like, oh, no, I'd rather not. Thank you. Is, is that your prediction? <laughs> <laughs> Nisado is just grossed out to death. Sounds like a horrible way to go. (sighs) All right, we did it. 
Nisado is bloody and dying, and the skins are back, and uh, teenagers are very realistic looking with their muscles and their blowouts, and their now suddenly one foot longer hair that's beautifully, perfectly curled, yeah. if you're Maria. And here we are, back in Roswell. Well, and Nisado also, as he's bloody, also has what looks like a big black like burn mark, maybe, yeah. on his chest. So perhaps the the evil alien's power works similarly to the good alien's power. Maybe his uh, organs got melted and his bones got fused. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yes, we will. So unanswered Mm -hmm. questions. I think you all know, where is Milton? It's the only question that matters. Also Kyle. Yeah, I do care about Kyle. Also, where are the Backstreet Boys? We were promised Backstreet Boys. I know. Howie, I mean, at least give us an AJ, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's another Backstreet Boy, for sure. I know all of them. <laughs> Do you have any other pressing unanswered questions that were not brought up? Mostly just about like who the skins are and why they're snakes, but I, I assume we'll find out more about that Good in question. the future. And hopefully we won't have to see any of them shedding, because, dear God, no thank you, please. <laughs> I, will be, I will be disgusted to death just like Nisado was, presumably. Um, then I think that uh, it is time for some hot and some saucy. Now let's see who's hot and saucy. So mine is not really much about the conversation or what's happening, but... Um, Right at the end of the episode, Maria slash Mahandra Delfino is looking particularly hot. She's wearing like a gold leathery miniskirt and her lips are just like stunningly perfect with like an almost natural shade of pink and like glossy lips. She has the most amazing lips. Ugh. Yes, she and her like new beautiful long curly hair, which in my head was explained somehow Like that (laughs) Isabel made it grow for her or something, but there was no actual explanation. Maybe this is just fan canon. I've heard that before, too. Okay, yeah. Like, in my head, I was like, well, obviously, Isabel made her hair grow, but then I watched the episode again, and I was like, oh, no, they don't ever actually... They didn't actually say that. They just... No. Anyway, she just was looking mm, very beautiful. Um, That's my hot and saucy pick. She also was being a little bit vulnerable, which is also hot. Mm -hmm. But mostly just her physical appearance. I'm starting the season off nice and shallow. So I I just hated the sexed up teenagers thing so much that I decided to go with Deputy Hanson. (laughs) Because his enthusiasm for his job was just, you know, so nice to see. Even though it was in no way helpful to any of our protagonists. I appreciate someone who just, like, shows up to work and is determined to do a good job and do whatever it takes. And, I mean, I I think it's a little weird that he was excited about the prospect of murder, but, you know, he's out there doing his job, serving and protecting and just being a decent person. So, unlike Lisa, (laughs) I'm gonna go real shallow with this one, like Lorena, and... I'm just trying to ignore, like, the context of it and, like, the way they are grossly portraying her. But when Isabel goes into the desert uh, to, like, ask Grant Sorensen about the stuff he's doing, there's just something about the imagery of, like, her wearing this, like, all-black, like, leather, which is, like, a city outfit. You know, like, that's not, like, a small-town desert outfit but there's something about that imagery of like her wearing that in this like vast desert with all like sand around her i don't know i think she looks very hot and she's always saucy whatever that means (laughs) okay then it's time for lisa's predictions and uh if you didn't listen to our mini-sode that came out before this uh you should rewind and listen to that because me and eliza recapped Season one, talk about season two. We talk about some of Lisa's predictions that uh, went horribly wrong, or maybe some of them that were accurate. But <laughs> let's start off season two with episode two is going to be called Ask Not. So what do you see happening for our characters based on that episode title? All right. So I hope that Liz's new assertiveness sticks around for a while. But I feel like at some point she and Max are just going to get back together because that's what the show wants. 
I hope first she gets to like go on some dates and meet some new people. Um, but we'll see. I think Nisato's probably really dead and that they'll find a way to explain how like Tess said he couldn't die, but she didn't know about the evil aliens or like this is something else because the stakes have to be really high for our, our heroes. And that means they have to be able to actually die. It wouldn't really like be impactful if they could die and then just get brought back with some healing stones every mm-hmm. time. I think one of our new characters must be one of the evil aliens. I suspect it's either Courtney or Grant, but probably Courtney because she's a pretty blonde girl and aren't they all aliens? Isn't that what we've learned, I think? (laughs) And then they can do a whole thing with like Maria being jealous of her with her crush on Michael. And I feel like there's a lot of potential for teen drama there. Um, Oh, something I was thinking about was that it seems like Whitaker is this like new Topolsky type figure right where she like Mm. wants the truth but I don't think she has the same nice character arc that they ended up giving Topolsky but I was thinking what would be really cool if they would have like had Topolsky survive at the end of last season but get taken back by the FBI and be like brainwashed and like reprogrammed and if they then sent her back now with her alien huntingness restored and came after the teens and then they had to try to like remind her of her humanity that's what i rewrote the show as being instead of this boring congress lady character because more julie benz would always be a superior choice always better we love julie benz the benz is better that's what i always say Thanks for joining us for the start of Season 2 of Roswell. We'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday, September 15th with Season 2, Episode 2, Ask Not. We will not have a mini-suit for you next week. We're not going to be doing those on a regular schedule anymore, but we will have fun bonus content every now and again. And we're doing lots of cool stuff on our social media. We just wrapped up our Top Moments tournament, and we are excited to announce the Top Roswell Moment of Season 1 as voted on by you, our social media audience. And the winning moment is... Liz, you have to look at me. You have to look at me. The pilot... That iconic moment where Max heals Liz, the moment that started it all for our dreamers. You broke the bottle and you fell. Let's go catch up on yourself. Don't say anything, please. Thanks to everyone who came out and voted. And if you were not already following us on social media, you should make sure you are doing that. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Roswell Hot Sauce. You can also find us on Facebook. And uh, stay tuned across our social media because we are going to be doing a giveaway soon to welcome you back to Season 2. We have a lot of great, fun Roswell and Alien-themed stuff, so make sure you stay tuned on social media to score that sweet, sweet merch. And as always, you can find show notes and other fun info at roswellhotsauce.com. You can also email us any thoughts, concerns, questions, or anything else really at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com. Ask the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by Ashley Heller. Our theme music is by David Belcourt. Our logo was designed by Billy Murray. We just want to say to all of our new listeners out there... Welcome to the ever-burgeoning I Know an Alien Club.